welcome to another episode of Zero Lift, our weekly celebration of all things motorsport. I'm your host with the most, Mr. Zero Lift. I'm joined by the ever so gracious Ryan and John. It's all about that tire degradation and the heat. Like gold. Like gold, yes, uh, very much. He likes the gold. <laughs> uh, we all like gold. Who doesn't like it? Uh, gold to 5,000, by the way, by the end of the year. Anyway, uh, we're back this week talking the actual split, the cart split, IRL split. Uh, we have F1 to talk about because it was another wild roller coaster of a ride in France. Sans monkey. I'm sad about it. Uh, but first, we have John with some Corvette news because he's been wrenching, wrenching away. Corvette news. I have. So last week I talked about how I got the prohibitively expensive Tillet carbon fiber bucket seats installed. I got the Mini Cooper e-brake handle installed. But what I didn't mention was that I got the e-brake handle itself mounted, but I didn't actually hook up the e-brake because I bought a... Uh, Stock e-brake, I mentioned how that e-brake was like hoopty and it was like mounted really low and almost behind the seat and didn't have a lot of leverage. It had a had a solid lever going from the e-brake and a hole drilled in the back of the car going outside. It was just a solid like rod. And then there was like a, uh, so a lot of old e-brakes, you have an e-brake cable coming from each rear brake. And it goes into some kind of, apparatus that takes the two cables and combines them into one and this one was like a it was like a flat just piece of metal and it just seemed like there could have been some friction because it was like just a piece of metal bolted to the frame and he just had a locking washer on it and just didn't tighten it all the way right so that the metal wouldn't be locked into place then when the, the cables went to the hubs there's like a bracket that the cable clips to, right? So it directs the cable. There's a little lever that comes out from the e-brake itself that the cable pulls on. Right. And the bracket the cable bolted to had the cable pointed like 45 degrees away from the actual e-brake lever. So when you pulled on the e-brake lever didn't just pull on the actual e-brake, it like pulled sideways and you had all that friction from it rubbing against the uh, the sheathing. For those right. of you that don't, yeah, for those of you who don't know, any cable in a car or motorcycle, be it a throttle cable or a clutch or a e-brake cable, you have a steel braided sheathing and then your actual cable is inside of that steel braided tube. There's a there's a Teflon lining inside of it so that the cable itself, you you mount it to the car, then the, the cable inside of that sheathing can freely move. And the cable that's mounted doesn't move and it just guides the inner cable so you can pull on it and it doesn't kink. And so they mounted it. Like I said, it was pointing away from the actual e-brake lever. So every time you'd pull, you'd have to overcome the friction the inner cable rubbing and like having to do a janky S turn. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to, I was going to say like, uh, 
what it sounds like is like a rudimentary built sort of system, but it sounds way more Dude. messed up than that. Dude, I mean, like this car, you keep finding <laughs> more and more jank stuff on this car. And I'm like thinking of like, this is the same type of brake housing that I would see in a bike. It's strange. And it's like, so it's... you're telling me you're basically having the hosing and, and the cabling itself take a weird turn for no reason when you have a straight lateral line you could take to the brake cable housing from like yeah. the brake to the brake. Like, what? Yeah. Why? <laughs> The funny thing is that like all the hard parts on the car, like, you know, I've gotten up underneath it and like, you know, put my hands all over it. Like all the engine suspension driveline stuff, the hard bits are all great. Yeah. And the car starts on the first turn and it's reliable and stuff, but just a lot of the little finishing like detail work. It just has me scratching my head. Interesting. Um, so like I just could it, took could it just be like some 1963, 1965 design stuff? No, that, you no, know, because the all the underpinnings of the car is mostly C4 Corvette. It's all 90s Corvette underneath. Oh, My right. suspension is C4, driveline C4, except for the big block. So um, they just chose to do it that way? I, I don't know, dude. So, like, I got underneath the car, and I took the bracket that the e-brake cable clips to, and I just took it off, and I rotated it 90 degrees. <laughs> that kind like, of fixed it. Yeah, like the bracket even like so there's a there's like Dude, a little they just like built it weird. They that's they, the bracket that's so the bracket secures no the bracket secures with one bolt and it's yeah. got like a it makes like a like it bolts flat and then on that bracket it has like a ninety degree overhang so that it won't rotate. Like in the hub, there was a detent when I took it off and rotated it that the overhang fit into. And I'm just like, Well, why didn't you just put it this way? Dude, that just sounds like <laughs> and, uh, because so, Mm, that hurt yeah, so brain. I rotated the that bracket 90 brain. degrees so that yeah, so that the cable would point directly at the e-brake lever, and then Lord, uh, this, so the Willwood e-brake kit is actually really nice. It comes with you know, two full cables and sheathing, and it's real long and a bunch of stuff to mount it. And then it has a little unit that like you have to bolt it somewhere, and both cables go in. Yeah, like the hard cables go in, and then the the inner the actual cable itself yeah. comes out. And it has a little block that you screw those cables into, and then your one there's a threaded thing in the middle that your from your handle just threads into, so that when you pull your handle, it pulls on both cables at once. So hey, that's so very like a bike, by the way. I'm I'm listening yeah, to you describe this, and really, I'm like, this is just like mechanical disc brakes on a bike. <laughs> it's really simple. There's no like yeah. levers or goofy apparatuses I have to rig up. So like, I just. Mounted the, like, fixed the brackets, mount, ran the cables inside the car, mounted the little equalizer thing, and I had that Mini Cooper thing, and I, I had uh, actually got a cable end uh, connector off of, like, farm equipment. <laughs> and so, Mini Cooper has a single nice. cable. Was it a Lamborghini? Ooh. No, no, it's just like a farming right? supply. It was just a farming <laughs> supply. Um it was basically something that like clamps onto the end of a cable. It ends in a threaded stud. Yeah. So it, I got I got it to match the threads on that Willwood unification block. And so took the cable out of the e-brake on the Mini Cooper side, cut it shorter, fitted the uh, fitted my little farm equipment thing, threaded that into the Willwood thing, ran the cables inside, connected the cables all up, and then got you know it took some adjusting and some cutting and uh, cut everything to fit. Now like all that. <laughs> shit Stupid. is just just down kind of underneath the seat kind of by the center console 
like you can see it, but like it's a race car. I don't really care that it's exposed. It's easy to work on. It doesn't look like it's all tidy. You know what I mean? Went on down to the tractor supply there in Florida to pick up pick up stuff for my nice fancy sports car. Like what? I'll take you know what I'll I'll get my I'll get my phone and I'll I'll snap a picture of the actual like mechanism now that it's all connected and stuff. Throw it in the Discord. Yeah, but anyway, I got it. I got it all tensioned and stuff like that. And like, remember telling you that like the old e-brake cable, you had to like yank up on it with two hands, and Uh then like maybe it would grab, dude. (laughs) This e-brake, I just think eliminating all the friction yeah. and the Mini Cooper one is like taller and it's a longer handle itself so you have more leverage when you pull what it. What a like, concept. I flat spotted the tires. Oh. Like, like I just barely kind of yoink and it just oh, like, yes. Big e-brake turn. Uh, it almost, it's so easy to move. It almost feels like a hydraulic e-brake. Ooh. Like it's. All caps, yes. That's fantastic. Yes, with an A. Well-designed mechanical disc brake is just as good as a hydraulic brake. Yeah. So it just it looks it it looks it fits. It looks good. It's easy to use. My e brake's functional. I can do handbrake turns all day. I can park the car. (laughs) Um, Me personally, when I park a manual car, I don't park in gear and I just set the handbrake. That's how I've always done it. Yeah, neutral handbrake. Um, and. I've been parking the vet in gear because the e-brake's been fucky, but now it's like just wow, chef's kiss. Dope. And, uh, well, very, you know what, Sean? Happy. That's a great, great segue for me. Thank you very much. You know who could have used a really good handbrake turn this weekend is Charles Leclerc. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. He needed throttle. Get that correct, son. Uh, no. I don't know. I, dude, the way the way he's been no. taking it uh, since the race, and then you know, like eight. He, he's taking the blame for it as a as a mistake on it's his not own, his not fault. a it's technical. Not his fault. It's not his fault. You think it's he's Ferrari he's just fault. taking he's just taking nope. the knife? Nope. Following yeah, the sword, yeah. huh? Have you? Anyway, look. Okay, so Ferrari, folks. To back up a little bit, we the, we've had a French Grand Prix race this past uh, Sunday, and then uh, a lot has happened. Uh, but to get into it, I'm gonna hand it over to Ryan for another two minute drill. On the F1 race. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Are you ready? I think that's the best way to get into it. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, then, you know, I got we'll, it. we'll get into particulars after. Okay. Let's do it. Let's do the two-minute two minute lap. Of All right. The, let me pull uh, up my French Grand Prix. <laughs> I pulled a card. Pull up the stopwatch. Right. Uh does it have? Does it go down oh, to mark. milliseconds? You got to get the tenths, man. It's important when you're cutting. I got it on tenths. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> On one. Okay, I'm going to count down from three. Mm. Two five red drill. lights. Five five red lights. Don't do me like that. Five red lights. One, well, two, let's three. Let's do it. Come let's on. Go. Let's go. Yeah, I can't visualize five red lights. Oh, Got two minutes to talk about the French run three, and we'll get into the final points. Ready? Three, two, one. All right, we got Checo with a bad start. Lulu with a good one. Excellent pressure from Max on uh, Leclerc going in the first couple laps there. But the name of the game is heat and degradation. We're sitting at about 101 degrees in the France Grand Prix, and we're on uh, medium tires watching them deg, and especially the fact that this is a track that has a lot of high-speed and medium-speed corners. We've got a lot of degradation on the front left tire or front right tire, one of them. One of the front tires is basically degging really, really bad on both of them. 
at that point, going into one of the last corners, we have Leclerc crashing out, mostly to the fact that his Ferrari's throttle, once again, just like the end of the last Grand Prix, gave him issues. And if you know anything, when you're trying to get through a turn fast, you've got to accelerate with a rear-wheel drive, and he didn't have the acceleration because the Ferrari is a hot piece of shit right now. But that's okay. His crash led everybody going in the pit lane. Everybody got on the hards. And uh, science came all the way up from the back. And then Ferrari said, hey, you know what? Not only do we know how to make the throttle work, we also don't know how to do team orders. Hell yeah. Would you like to hear box calls right as you're passing somebody as you're going literally past the goddamn pit entry? So he eventually ends up boxing. This is a very long, longest of the entire season pit. So you're going to drop 30 seconds. He also had to correct them on the five-second stop-go penalty, which was actually just five-second penalty. While this is happening, right after this, we have George coming up on check who has been sleeping at the wheel apparently since the five red lights, not the three, the five red lights went out. He's been sleeping the whole time. George comes up on him, starts doing a little bumping into the chicane. They start arguing. George does a little bit of teeny bopper stuff. He's in his early 20s. Hey, he did this, that, he did that, right? Whatever, yada, yada, yada. Okay, great. Well, eventually we got a VRC going on, okay? And uh, George is like, you know what? I'm gonna be a cheeky little British bastard and he's gonna lift off on the Delta. He's gonna come on through and he's gonna go ahead and pass Chuck right in the last bit. So Mercedes walks away with the first uh, best results they've had all year so long with two three uh and max just walks away with it because he is going to be your future champion quote me now he is going all the way max verstappen that is the french car free apollo card we have the uh, race coming up next week and then we have the long month of no f1 so there it is there's a recap two minutes oh. <laughs> two minutes on the dot 159.76 i needed those tents for a reason i told you <laughs> nice well done uh yeah uh, to 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 circle back around on some of the stuff Come on lap around. 20 uh is when charles leclerc uh went off on turn 11 he had said initially on on the radio message that he didn't have throttle but since then ferrari and some of the other you know talking heads within f1 have kind of clarified what that meant uh it meant like he was already in the wall and he was trying to reverse oh, to yeah. try to get out of it and so he didn't have any throttle then when his chief uh, engineer had come up and said zero percent that's what he meant like it was giving you zero percent in the rear uh to try to reverse at least that's what they say i mean that's a really good cover up you want to put on a team full hat i want to see the um, actual blips of his throttle and his braking right where is that data of his throttle and his braking into that turn so because- the well, but the official explanation right now is Leclerc just fucked up the turn. Is that is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it would have been he overspun the, the day. he overspun the rear. And I want to throw him under the bus, but I don't dislike him anywhere close to as much as I dislike Lulu. If this was Lulu, I'd be like, Lulu sucks. He screwed up, you know. But this is I'm trying to have some respect. Max did too, by the way, because he like was like, "Hey, is he okay?" Whereas if that was Lewis, he would have been like. And just like kept on going. Right? Uh, okay. <laughs> your, your personal feelings aside, we're gonna get back on track. Here. I think he's. Uh, right I really about... think Max's attitude towards Lewis. Though. I mean, but if anyway. you look at if you look at the way that sport. Look, look. I'm t- I'm just saying. If you look at the sportsmanship between Max and Leclerc this year, Max is kind of like upset. He doesn't get to battle this guy that's like legit because Ferrari's fucking up. Whereas last year he was just like, I don't give a sh-. like. Went full Dutch, like cold shouldered, yeah. didn't give a shit. Screw you, Lewis. Type of shit, like. So Max, 100%. Yeah, Max and Max and Cleric have had some very good, very respectful battles. Right. That's true. That and, is fact. And yeah. so I think he was, he was, is he okay? And even at the end when Cothard was like, Hey, you know, what do you think about him? And he's like, you know, points are points, but you know, I still want to have a good race. Basically. He's like, yeah, duh. I'm going to take off and get three seconds on everybody. Like he, 
he was just way out there. So it was a solid race. And I, honestly, Paul Ricard's like the He's most hot boring circuit to me. So it was nice to see something kind of interesting. Uh oh. Yeah, it didn't have the monkey trophy, which I'm really mad about. Is, is that because that's it's like, like the that, best thing about the French yeah, Grand Prix? Because it's like an trophy. NFT, basically, right? Like those board apes or whatever you right. like to follow. Yeah, exactly, okay. it's like I a board ape. You. Okay, what's your hot take? It's a golden board ape, which is one of the most valuable in all the collection. If we're really gonna get into it, cool. but my hot take is yeah. that uh, it, this is not Leclerc's fault. Uh, this is actually Ferrari pit wall. Uh, I agree with you. Culpability. Yet again, they kept him out too long. Uh, if you, on things of note, two laps before Max had come in for new tires uh, because of tire degradation, and under the under the super slow mo replay that F1 is capable of doing, you could see that the front of of Leclerc's tires at the exact moment which he is going off are blistered, and like oh yeah, you see completely... a straight line all the way through. Yeah, it's the front... and so. I can't remember if it's the front right or the front left that takes all the deg there. I think it's the front right. I think it's front right. So, yeah. Anyway, but uh, you know, it's, it's pit lane. It's a strat. I don't know what they're doing. They must have like seven-year-olds over at the strategy corner of Ferrari. It's just Ferrari because, like, Ferrari, man. The, it's, it's the, the Leclerc thing. Uh, then it's Carlos. Like, yeah, the dude I... started in... In last place, in the back of the field, he was up in fighting for third with 10 laps to go. I bet you. And then all of a sudden, you're going to. No, it would have been. He could have absolutely like overtook Pacheco, uh, then got, uh, then like just not let him buy again. He had the tires, I think. He did. He did because Gasly was on the same exact amount of laps on his mediums and went to the end of the race. Now, he wasn't pushing as hard as, as Science was, but he got past George. Pacheco was fucking sleeping. So he would have been able to get past him, and then it would have been playing yeah, defense. He was, at, he was sleeping at the wheel. And it's the whole better, race, it's better, really. it's better to defend than it is to attack. And I think science would have been okay. Probably would have pulled off P three. So Ferrari's messing up. Yeah. It's nuts because they have two amazing drivers. What are they doing? Just, just to like uh, send a radio message for your driver to box when he's mid battle for a podium position. And like that, that was not a delayed message. No. And- okay. And like <laughs> it was just, uh, and then, uh, then to pit him after he's he's overtaken for a podium spot. He should have just with ten him. laps to go. He should have like, just ignored him. And like it's so yeah. funny because he was at least he's still like civil about Bonkers. it. But he responded because imagine if that happened to Kimi Raikkonen <laughs> <laughs> when he was a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> exactly my point so you've got two fairly civilized young lads at ferrari who are just beyond a doubt excited to be at this wonderful prestigious racing company and they are doing them dirty so it makes yeah. me upset no lube no lube and and that's what yeah. you know again if this was happening to mercedes and george or lewis i would be laughing to the hills excited uh because i am a vicious sportsman and i don't like certain teams um well because it's you know yeah to talk about another uh person or group that kind of screwed over an entire sport uh and to also get into the part two of indycar and indianapolis motor speedway lebron uh (laughs) we're (laughs) up to the uh the cart split Yep. So, in IndyCar history. Little, little, as we mentioned last week, so uh, my brother Jay 
asked us or just recommended we uh, look into the great part IRL, basically the death of IndyCar in the 90s. Shout out um, to Jay. Uh, shout out to Jay. Being the best um, Bagley. Easy. Easy. <laughs> um, so we, I thought when we got to researching the split, we thought that it would uh, provide a bit more background and give a bit more gravity as to why this was a big deal if we talked about what indie was which is what last week's episode was so now we're going to get into what actually happened um because in the 90s what's colloquially known as colloquially excuse me known as indie racing uh, it was called cart back in the 90s but uh that was as popular as nascar is in the united states today and it was rivaling F1 in terms of, you know, market penetration and, and popularity and, and revenue. Um, and some F1 drivers were looking at coming over to racing cart and stuff like that. And so there was a lot of back and forth. Um, and then it got tanked. Uh, so me, we're going to talk about why. I want to clarify how big it was. And who? In ni- I, I, and who? I want to clarify how big it was in 1990. Two, Nigel Mansell won the F1 championship and then won, in 1993, the CART championship. Okay. Yeah, he jumped ship. He left F1 yes, and That's literally like Max, Max winning F1 last year and going, all right, I'm good, and then going over and playing in Indy right now. You know what I mean? Like, that's insane. Nobody would do or that. Or Michael Jordan winning winning the NBA championship and then going to play for the MLB. Uh, yeah, but then actually succeeding and actually winning. But then, like, chip. being good at like it. Like, actually yeah. winning uh, a chip. You know what I mean? No, yeah. actually, actually, no, it's not like that. It's not like that. It's like Michael Jordan winning the NBA and then moving to Brazil and playing soccer. Exactly. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah, a different, yeah, yeah. like, it's, it's yeah. like... And then winning the World Cup. Yeah, my, MJ, MJ, MJ wins, <laughs> MJ goes and wins the World Cup, basically, afterwards. Like, that's the type of level that this is, essentially. Uh, so, it was huge back then. Yeah, and I think it's my personal opinion. By the way, opinion. World Cup is starting soon. Just want to point that out there. Go, Go Brazil. Um, it's my personal opinion that this schism, like, set back motorsports, and just in terms of, like, popularity and acceptance by the mainstream, set it back decades. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I don't even, I didn't even know what in America, racing, I didn't even in know America, what in America was. Like, cart to me, I was like, what is this? I didn't, like, didn't have any idea. Indy, I knew about, but cart I had. Like, what is this cart thing? When I, when I lived in Japan and Germany, like, kids got into cart racing. It was, like, a thing. Like, hmm. you know, not everybody, but, like, it was, a, it was a popular thing. Like, the Japanese people are into cart racing. When I lived in Germany, if you went, when the F1 race was on, if you went to a bar, it was full, and everybody was watching the F1 race. That does not happen in the United States. Yeah. And, in some places, you see it with NASCAR, and NASCAR is kind of carrying the torch a little bit. But I, I fully believe that like we don't have a motorsports culture. I think it's getting better, like with F one Drive to Survive, that got a lot of the word out and stuff. Three races in America that, next year. But yeah. but then you think that like America is like the birth of you know the muscle car and stuff. It's like what happened to yeah, what happened to car culture in America that like most people. You have like car guys and everybody else doesn't give a shit. And w- why is that? I think this had a lot to do with it. And you've got, I um, mean, you also have Americans that don't think motorsports is a sport. That's how bad it is here. False. I, 
I know, also that. but I'm just saying the general premise of like other people that follow NBA, for example, uh, like my basketball group chat guys are like, motorsports, not a sport. That's like their common, you know, they're a bunch of 20 somethings, but that's like their general ideology is it like motorsports isn't a legitimate sport. And that's anybody, not the anybody, case doesn't, in your, anybody that doesn't think motorsports is a sport, take a motorcycle or a KT 100 or faster cart out for 10 minutes and you will change you'll your die. mind. You'll die. You will change not, your mind. Not to one up you, not to one up you, but I have a better. Oh, he's comparison. too kind to me. All right, just, just this French Grand Prix. Lewis Hamilton was asked in the post race interview how many kilos or how much weight that he does he think right. that yeah, he loses yeah. per race or how much these did he think that he lost in that particular one because it was three. super hot in France, right? He said six kilos did you say six kilos i think he said three that's even worse Holy three hell. kilos sorry yeah okay. all right six yeah three it's kilos. a little bit over six pounds yeah exactly but it's six a little over six pounds and science six pounds <laughs> in a two three hour period of time two hour, race. Two hour race. race science also chose not to use he basically didn't pack any water science chose not to pack water to reduce weight to get extra tenths this is a guy that chose not to hydrate Damn. in a hundred degree weather in a fucking car that's also hot as shit oh well, yeah to save tenths, that's insane. And Lewis, Lewis's water bottle didn't even work. He right. said it didn't even work. So like right. he was also suffering. Imagine, imagine an NBA player going hard as shit the whole game and not hydrating and not hydrating. Imagine LeBron me? doing that. Well, and I'm not, and, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not arguing whether they could go Maybe without Kobe could or do not. That. Yeah, who's or like or, or I'm, not, I'm not arguing who you know who's harder who could do that. But all I'm saying is that. If you if you lose over six pounds of water during an activity, like that's a hard activity. Yeah, <laughs> it's a sport. Yeah, yeah. A also, sport. and also, and Lewis, 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 Lewis wasn't bragging. They just asked him, and he just right. like flippantly was like, "Oh, it's probably." It was this probably is, about three point six kilos. It's not kilos, the first time this has happened. It happened to Jensen Bones. <laughs> it's happened to Kimmy. It's happened to Michael. It's happened to no, literally. No, it's, it, it's a regular occurrence that this malfunction happens. Anyway, let's get let's oh, yeah. get back to the topic. Anyway, this is why motorsports, the, this schism, uh, it caused such a a an American culture basically lack of appreciation of motorsport is what it is. Yeah, America's missing out. It really is. Look, so look, so look, we talked about Indy last week. Reason we talked about Indy is because Indianapolis 500 over time. Back in the day when it got started, it was kind of like a run what you brung. They started making some rules. But over time, things started to solidify, and the Indianapolis 500 was the crown jewel race in the American Open Wheel Race Series, which most people refer to as Indy. At the time, it was called CART, which is Championship American Racing Teams. Um, it, it so it got solidified. So the only race that Indy did for a long, long, long time until NASCAR came in '94, I think it was, um, was the Indy 500. And the Indy 500 is considered one of the great races in the world. And the Indy 500 only catered to the American Open Wheel Racing Series, mm-hmm. the cart. So Indy was a big effing deal in the U.S. And Indy is kind of. It's kind of analogous to Formula One. If I'm, I'm just going to give a, we're not going to get into what Indy is so much, but it's kind of like F1. If F1 was like a spec class, chassis are spec, the engines are spec, the aero is spec. So basically, what that means is that everybody gets the same shit. Back and then, it wasn't as much, but now it definitely not is. as much. 
it changes over time. One of the few things that you can tune in indie is the dampers. So the, the shocks. You can do whatever the fuck you want with the shocks. So everybody has their own bespoke, and indie is considered the pinnacle of shock technology. Because that's the only thing they can do to get an edge. But the aerodynamics, they don't need a wind tunnel. The engines are, everybody runs the same engine. And that's just to keep costs down and to make it more approachable. Right. It's, so it's, not, cars, a fan, it's not a fan for, like, if you want to geek out on, like, design and engineering, go to, like, F1 or WRC. If you're looking for a techno-prisoners right. type of thing with, like, a shit ton of overtaking, that's your tea party, dude. There's so much overtaking in indie car racing in modern era basically um but so the indie cars have never been slow to put it mildly no. um nowadays they run twin turbo v6s back in the day they were turbo v8s mm. um that sounds so yeah. good yeah that sounds so good um <sighs> depending on the era modern indie cars make around 750 horsepower at the time in cart i think they were between 750 to a thousand not slow not slow. Um, and the only reason they're slower than F1 is because there's less development in aero. There's some components that are like, you have to make it out of steel instead of carbon fiber. And so there's just not quite as much free development of stuff. They have a so better a safety under Halo too, because they actually have a, a shield in, and a Halo too. So they've kind of yep. taken a little bit more a safety over speed approach. And so, you know, anyway... Out of the muscle car era and blah, 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 blah. Indy's a big deal. The Indy racing. I mean, so the IMS, the Indy 500 is such a big deal. They named the fucking series Indy. Uh, right. <laughs> that's what it's Basically. known as. Um, it's a whole race. They have like 20 races in a season, but they name it Indy. Right. Um, didn't Cart have like a, a copyright uh, on IndyCar for how many years? 2003. Copyright. Yeah, 2003, they had a copyright on the name Indy, even though they didn't own the track. So a family by the name of the Hullmans... Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Sorry. Oh, you're good, man. You're good. A family family by the name of the Hullmans owned the Indianapolis Motor Speedway that we covered last week, Indy. A guy by the name of Tony George was a racer historically, and he was the grandfather of one of the owners of the Speedway. The CEO of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway died. Tony stepped up, familial, they own it. He steps up as the CEO of the actual racetrack. He's a board member on CART from the 90s. Already. What? Was he already a board member uh, prior to taking ownership uh, of IMS? He, you know? Sorry. He Sorry was a board member. Yeah, he was a board member. He stepped up in 89 as the CEO of the IMS, the speed uh, was a board or, member on cart. So he's, he's a player in the decisions that, you know, the open wheel racing in the United States does. And in 91, he starts lobbying and vying. He had this vision. As we mentioned last week, you know, the Indianapolis 500, the Indy racing series, all that stuff had a lot more foreign influence than maybe you're used to seeing. There's a lot of Europeans that would, because America, fucking America, economy, blah, 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 blah. A lot of the purses and the payouts and the salaries in art and stuff were higher than most European racing leagues. So some enterprise, 
yeah, some enterprising foreigners that were making a name in racing would want to come to America. Mario Andretti. Yep, Mario Andretti's one of them, who's a big <laughs> effing deal when it comes to motorsports. Yeah. Um, they would want to come over because you could make more money racing in the American series. So there's a lot of foreign influence. Tony George had this idea that it should be restricted to more American talent. Also, one of the things about Indy, in my opinion, makes Indy awesome, is that it's a mixture of street courses like Monaco, Le Mans, right, where they block off public roads and race, actual race tracks, like tracks we talk about all the time. Laguna Seca. Laguna Seca, big one. You know, Button Willow, infield at Coda. Um, racetracks, short ovals, which is just an oval course, but it's tiny, and so it's tighter. Grand speedways like Indy, which are like huge ovals where you're just like flat out the entire time. You have to do all of them. And so like, it's a lot of car setup. It's a lot of different skill. I'll tell you guys, everybody hates on NASCAR. I have raced a oval cart. This shit's hard. It's very hard. It's not easy. I have raced an oval. I shit on ovals until I race an oval. And it is not easy at all. Um, is, is it the banks? It's the banks, isn't it? It's the banks. It's the fact that it's... So here's the deal. To get an edge in oval racing, because everything is like... Because there's so... It's so technical. Like when you're, like when you're racing racing, you're like, oh, I'm going to wait for the next brake zone and I'm going to stuff this there's guy. No or, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, there's no brake zones. And so like, like you are laying almost prone. It's like you're laying in bed. Driving with your head just kind of cocked up and the 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 car or the cart or whatever you're driving has like camber and alignment so that if you just drive it straight with your hands off the wheel it turns and so like Mm -hmm. you're fighting the wheel down the the straight you're going real effing fast the entire you're flat out the entire time i've never done a nascar i wasn't going that fast in my cart but um it's it's visceral um and and i I'd, like it might be kind of boring to watch but i'm telling y'all no do you do you think you can hop in a nascar or something and just oval race and be You'll a die. champ you are wrong You'll you die. are wrong 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 well it's, a, it's the technical aspect of it though john because again that's where like i understand how watching formula one can be boring if you're not like oh he's about to pit oh he's got to switch out his hard tires for mediums and dag NASCAR and oval racing in general, both in Indy and NASCAR, has that same. You got to understand the next layer of the iceberg to basically get and be like excited about stuff. Oh, he's pit here, or this is when the pit window is, or uh, he's on the inside of the track or the outside of the track, or he's doing some sort of bump maneuver, push bumping on this sort of thing with him. It's it's definitely as I've enjoyed F one, I've now figured out these other motorsports and enjoyed it. So it makes sense why the Indy five hundred is such a big deal historically speaking. Yeah. So anyway, I, I think Indy's cool just because of the mixed discipline, because every single type of track requires a different car setup, different driver skill, blah, blah, blah. Apparently, America agreed with me in the 90s. It was super popular. <laughs> Tony George. Tony George wanted to. Straight to American talent, and he wanted to get rid of all the road courses, all the racetracks. So he, he, no more street races, no more racetracks, nothing but ovals. 
And he had this idea of like oval is the great American tradition. Everybody's coming from dirt track ovals and stuff like that. And they want to compete in the Indy and let the Europeans be European and turn right. We're just going to turn left. <laughs> well, it's also the fact of like, it's how you get there, right? It's, it's the keeping it. Okay. The, the way you go, you do this, you do that. It's like how in F1, you go karting, and then that transfers you into Formula 3, and then that tramples you into Formula 2, right? America doesn't have that same kind of setup and pipeline, and I think that he was trying to establish that with the American core that his family owned, conveniently, of the Indy 500, right? Yeah. Bare bones it. I think it's it was it wasn't a, it wasn't a, 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 a that's how I see it. As, like it's like a motorsports purist though. Like what makes it interesting is like these the interdisciplinary aspect of it. Yeah. Now I, I don't disagree with you there, but I'm saying from a homegrown aspect, as a guy who lives in BFE, like middle of nowhere, no coast Nebraska, what races I can go see locally are Shaw races in dirt ovals, right? Mm-hmm. Small small dirt ovals. Even the closest indie race I have modern era is in Des Moines, Iowa. And guess what? It's an oval. Right. And so like, if you look at, it's gotta be a GT track close to you though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, Ryan's got ma'am like 30 minutes away, but no look, major racing series look, go there. Exactly. So like, yeah, I've, I've got Sorry. some GT stuff. I GT for sure, but major racing, homegrown American Midwest stuff, it's all ovals, dude. Everything is ovals. And so if you're a kid growing up, oh, my daddy's doing ovals, and then you do ovals, and then, okay. So, like, from that mindset, one, his family owned Indy 500. From a family aspect, American homegrown. Again, Indianapolis is in the Midwest, right? (laughs) If you look at things around it, that's where I am. Um it's all ovals. We don't have fancy GT turns and all that yada yada, right? I wish we did because I love that stuff. And I agree with John there where it's like that discipline is sick, right? But from his mindset... I mean, I'm just saying it's just it's just to steal Kanye from you real quick sure. then you can have it back. Okay. Um, <laughs> Amer- America has been doing GT racing since the fucking 50s and 60s and kicking ass at it. So it's yeah. very much a if you American recall, tradition as well. If you listen to our podcast Those last are, week, Lenny, uh, we've actually been doing ovals a lot longer than that. I, yeah, no, I understand that, but I'm just saying like... So, and like... Tony George is a little, I, was a little I, cuckoo in the brain back in the I don't early think so. 90s I saying think, that... No, because again, homegrown Midwest style is oval racing. Southern style is oval racing. That's what NASCAR is known for. If you look at... It's weird because America does things in a more simple way, but also more complex, as we discussed earlier, with oval racing is harder in some ways than GT or circuit racing. Uh, It's a different discipline, but like it looks easy on the outside. Oh, turn left. Ha ha ha. But like if you actually get into the nuances, you're like, holy crap. Just like drag racing. Oh, you're just driving fast in a straight line. Yeah, but right. No, <laughs> yeah, no. exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so, like, that's kind of the American style is the, yeah, but you know what I mean. Like, that's the very American ethos of like racing that I've kind of found to understand is that like, yeah, oval racing looks easy. So, I don't know. Yeah, the guy's maybe a little crazy in the head, but I think you wanted to kind of take it back to this American simplicity 
and uh, it ended up causing a lot of friggin' issues. So, uh, yeah. So that's my thoughts on it. He tried to buy out Cart. Never disclosed for how much, but the the word on the street was it was a laughable sum of money. And uh, he kept pushing his ideas. One million dollars. One million dollars. Mind y'all, Hart <laughs> at this point in time is at least as popular as NASCAR is today. It was big shit. And they had their format. It was like one third in road courses and street courses, like a third short ovals and a third big ovals. Give or take, but roughly that. And uh, it was working. People loved it. I think Ryan. I think Ryan knows the actual number. You, you have yeah, it Ryan there, might Ryan? actually the or the Got actual it. number of how many? Yes, hold on. Uh, let's see here. It's like seven six <clears> five <throat> or something like that. My word. Hold on, guys. Keep going. John. Oh, I thought you had it already. I, I, well, yes. No. Yeah. Keep going, John. I'll get you. Hold on. Okay. Uh, so, a he keeps pressing this issue, and they. Cart removed Tony George from the board in, uh, I believe it was 92. I got it now. 16 was... races, three continents. You had six ovals, six street courses, and four road races. So, like, a really solid mix. Really solid was... mix. Um, he wanted to make all of that oval. All of it oval. He wanted to make everything oval. Everything oval. Freaking crazy, man. Kick him off the board. That, that wanted to me. And... That would have been my vote. Yeah. I didn't know the. I didn't know how he planned to do this, but he wanted to somehow limit non-American drivers in the series. Which I don't like. I don't know how you do that without being like explicitly jingoistic. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, right, because Cart was the best of both worlds. As you said, it featured a combination of like indie racing and Formula One because it had the road and street circuits, but it also had the ovals, which F one didn't have. Which, you know what? I just want to make a plug real quick because everybody shits on NASCAR. I have shit on NASCAR. I used NASCAR to. is NASCAR is like one third actual road courses. Yeah, now like it where is. They turn, where yeah, they turn right. It is. Yeah. Yeah, I used to. Now used, it is. Before I started following F1, I shit all over NASCAR. And then like. Me I, too. I worked, I worked with a buddy. So I actually worked with a guy who I was getting into F1 and doing the sim racing, John, and this guy I was working with was like, yeah, I do racing too. I do NASCAR on my sim rig. And I'm like, hell fucking yeah, dude. So we're like bullshitting. And I'm like, you should watch F1. He's like, you should watch NASCAR. And so I watched a couple of NASCAR races and he started explaining the different layers of the onion and the iceberg. And I was like, okay. Like that's how I know so much about NASCAR now is because of this guy I worked with. So now I, I definitely have a bigger appreciation now than I ever did when I was a kid. NASCAR drivers turn right, believe it or not. NASCAR is kind of cool. We'll talk about it it's later. Dope. But anyway, um, Miracle. so they remove him from the board. In response, EG goes full. I can't say that. I can't say the R word. He goes full <laughs> idiot, and <laughs> he creates his own racing league called IRL. He can't call it IndyCar because Cart had the trademark. So he calls it the Indy Racing League. He tries to, like, imagine, I don't know. Super Bowl. Well, like, uh, yeah, imagine the person in charge, like the people that own the rights to the Monaco Grand Prix. Oh, yeah. Tell tell Formula One, you can't come to Monaco this year. We're creating our own (sighs) racing league. Don't tease me. Don't tease me. (laughs) <laughs> if we never go back to Monaco again, 
Oh, don't tease me. <laughs> so he creates a racing league called the IRL, and the rule was it was called the twenty-five and eight rule. So the grids at that time were thirty-three cars, and the rule in IRL was that twenty-five cars would be guaranteed for cars that were part of the IRL. And they would only allow eight spots at Indianapolis for cars that were not part of the IRL, AKA the big teams in cart. Cause all the big names in racing in the U S were in cart. Inski, Granatelli. Uh, they're like all the big dogs and they would only allow eight of those cars to run. And if you wanted to run the full gamut, you had to run the IRL series. None of the big companies, I think a couple of them switched over, but the vast majority of the big dogs in racing stayed with cart. They weren't eligible to race at Indy in 1996. So you had this schism where like all the drivers and the teams that anybody gave a shit about we're not allowed to go to the race that anyone gave a shit about. And that's why we covered Indy last week, just to give you all an idea of like the gravitas that the Indianapolis 500 held is that all the, like, it's like if Lewis Hamilton can't go to the Monaco Grand Prix, like what? (laughs) Right. It's going to be upset. What is going on here? And like, Um, it's funny because essentially, uh, IRL itself still didn't do great. Like the teams were Garbo, it was not great racing, but Indy, the Indianapolis 500 has such a sway. It just kept going and going and going. Well, I don't know. I, I, it has. I think it has a lot to do. It comes down to money. Well, hold on. Let's right. not. Let's not. Let's, don't get into the future just yet. Don't yeah. get into the future okay. just yet. Okay. What what Hart did in response was they had the U.S. Grand Prix. Or not, not the sorry, the U.S. 500, the United States Grand Hunt in Michigan on the same weekend. That's your first problem, right? As the Indy 500, so the Indy 500 mm-hmm. raced with these no-name teams that nobody knew about that year. In the same year as the Premier League raced in Michigan, and Indy 500 that year was a shit show the very start of the race, there was a 10-car pileup. 10 cars were wrecked out of 33. I'm sorry, I think it was 25. Only 25 That's in the U.S. The, that, that's in the, that's the, in the car the racing. Michigan. Yeah. In Michigan. It only, only 25 gridded at the U.S. 500. Yes. And of those wrecked in the first lap. They made an exception to allow the guys that wrecked to get in their backup car and race. One of whom... I think by the name of Vassar, won the race. It got like a million bucks. Right, and they made the purse equal to the Indy 500 just to try and like spit in IRL's face. That's crazy. Yeah. It was was a farce, but like at the same time, like Ryan seems to have a sympathetic view of Tony George. I think Tony George is a maniac asshole that ruined racing in the United States. (laughs) <laughs> look here's the deal it's two bald men fighting over a comb all right that's what this is <laughs> <laughs> okay nice. don't get me wrong it's some bullshit but like 
I I understand as a Midwest guy, and you're trying to get it back to home roots and yada. It's stupid and, and dumb because modern era indie IRL whatever is literally the same under new management. If but it was back then, it was two bald men fighting over Damco. It's dumb. It's stupid, and it and it didn't help anybody. So, you know, it, it came down to money basically between Cart and Tony George and IMS. Um. In the beginning, right. Uh, then after the split, it became more so a money war, I right. want to say. Right. So like uh, Tony George had offered the carts teams that were that were racing in cart, um, you know, like a million dollar budget, you know, per year. And they laughed that off, whatever, and they stayed in cart. But like cart had had to throw so much money in like advertisement and and all that stuff just to keep up with the wallet that was IMS and Tony George because you have to think in, in 94 the Brick, NASCAR started racing there and with the Brick Card 400 so they're gaining that income right and then they had IRL as you know you want to say if, if it was profitable or not they actually sold you know tickets unlike the first few years at the US 500, where uh, it's a funny, funny factor that I'm going to hit you with. The main sponsors and audio manufacturers actually gave out free tickets to fill out those seats. And so like the first few years of the US 500, those were free asses in those seats. And of course, they're going to fill out, you know, comparatively speaking to the Indy 500 where you had to pay. Um, so there's that. And yep. then it uh, <laughs> kind of leads into Cart's collapse, their bankruptcy in 2004. I think it, it just really, uh, yeah. So you know, it came down to came down to the wallet, the, the size of the wallet of how big the Indianapolis 500 is as a pivotal. Yeah. As you drew so much money, race, it draws so much money that even the best teams, because. You know, this is they're they're infighting about who has the money, where the sponsorships come from, and then you're splitting NBC versus ABC and air times. Okay, well, you know, we're, we all know Friday, Saturday, Sunday that's race weekend. Well, now you're having to change your scheduling, your sponsor. It just gets messy, and the guy who owns the grandstand of all grandstand of races in America basically held out and won this championship. That's what happened, and then yeah, he left. Much. He left. And then guess what? The regulations go, hey, guys, remember how we kicked ass and, like, had all these really cool races and we were doing street and roads and ovals and, like, everything you could possibly do in America? Let's do that again now. And they've done that. And, like, Indy really prospered a lot during uh, the lockdown 2020 stuff. Um, You have, again, F1 drivers coming over from uh, F1 coming to Indy now with Roman Grosjean, for example, after his horrific crash, losing Haas. Uh, and coming over and being quite successful in Indy because it's again it's not about the the you know Haas is a, at that point was a very low rate team in F1 but he comes over his skill as a driver shows in Indy and I think yeah. that's why it's really cool I I wish that they could fish, fix their app and have as good of like <laughs> I, I wish they had as, as good of a general media presence and control that F1 has because F1 is it unlock. I if Indy fixes their stuff that it's easier to watch and easy to follow comparative to the same level that F1 is, I would 100% jump on the Indy Bandcamp because it is as you said John, 
the showmanship and skill of a driver across every single discipline. They just need to fix their shit in the modern era. That's all I'm saying. I just, if I could just wrap back real quick. Wrap so, it back, boy. Let's go. Yeah. After the, the bit of a farce that was the US 596, they decided not to do that again. At least on the same weekend as the Indy 500. Ratings tanked for both series. I think IRL races registered less than a point in ratings, which is wow. like less than 1% of like the ratings on the network when it was broadcast, when it used to be the most popular motorsport in America. Unspectable mm-hmm. racing. Eventually, Tony's family, because his sisters were also like part owners of the track, uh, voted to have him removed as CEO um, circa like 08, 09. He stepped down as CEO in 05 to fund his own racing team. When he stepped down, IRL reintroduced road courses and uh, street courses. So turning right. Um, <laughs> art, yeah, right. Art itself went bankrupt around 2003. And some team owners bought the assets and renamed it Champ Car. And Champ Car remerged with the IRL in 2008 and shortly after filed bankruptcy. So, like, Schism between, yeah. the, yeah. <laughs> schism between the two leagues caused them both to just hemorrhage money and interest, spectators and stuff. And they gradually reunified in 2008. They're roughly running the same format they used to run as far as, you know, the breakup of ovals versus street courses and stuff. And they came back together and uh, stand, atten- you know, Tony George is out. Yeah. Then in 2019, I think it was Penske, which is one of the major racing teams Big in America. Yep. Yeah, that guy actually bought the Indianapolis Motor Speedway from the Hullmans. So now Penske, who was always a player in cart and champ car and IRL and whatever would have Everything. you, now owns the Speedway. So it's probably not going anywhere. And it's now just referred to as IndyCar. Once they merged the series, they got the name right, and now it's IndyCar. And ratings, attendance, viewership is up. It's actually doing very, it's very healthy nowadays. Yeah. But um, when still American motorsport, unfortunately. Well, it's, it's not, uh, I just don't think it's in like the cultural, like zeitgeist. That's exactly what it is though. As we talked about earlier, it's the fact that most Americans don't see it as a serious motorsport. We grew up, at least our generation millennials, John, we grew up American motorsports as NASCAR, which is, I just turn left, right? And so, like, I I think that, for me, the gateway drug is going to be Formula 1, and then we find out, and Indy is kind of capitalizing on the back marker of that, and they're trying to do what F1 is doing, but in the American market. So I, I think, looking ahead, Indy is going to be successful. It's going to be something that even somebody like me, I can go drive five hours over to Des Moines and go see a circuit, whereas Formula 1 is still going to be that very sold out i can't get tickets to austin or miami and then they're gonna go to vegas and i don't have that type of money there's no way so <laughs> i think that you just gotta rent out a hotel room you don't have to get a, a seat a seat at the track that's the thing oh buddy yeah nah uh so but like I just I, mean, I i don't know i think it just shows we're gonna get done i think it just shows that like indy it survived this 
I think that it's great. Um, it's its own unique brand. Just fix your app, lock it in, adapt for the millennials, and you'll be okay. The F1 app isn't that great either. It's still no, no. Uh, it messes up on me all the time. Well, so they finally F1 app at least finally added casting to my uh, Apple TV. But anyways, uh, it, you know it is what it is. These big corporations, it takes time to develop and do everything in that space. But we really see here with the split how big and influential, as we talked about last week, the Indianapolis 500 is in American culture. And hopefully the IndyCar series can permeate into the masses and we all start watching it and going to bars and acting like hooligans over in the UK watching a football match. Yeah, I just think I yeah, just think they hope. I just think they slowed down the I just think they slowed down the enthusiasm by 20 years. Like it's, it's on the up. Yeah. NASCAR sneakily became a powerhouse. Like I didn't realize how popular NASCAR was because I didn't really care because I was into like road (laughs) racing and stuff. But then like, right. I looked up, I looked up the ratings and I was like, holy shit. A lot of Americans are super into this. Yeah. (laughs) She looked at the Um, historicals of NASCAR. Like, uh, like at 96 from the 96 onwards is where the real uptick but i've been uh, around for started. it's been around and for 74 right there years. in the split it's been around for 74 years but the uptick was and that's yeah. why us growing up in our teenage years we knew nascar more than we knew indycar right yeah, I, I i remember being 100%. a fan of of nascar uh you know around the time dale senior died yeah up until you know car of tomorrow era is where I started, stopped watching it. Uh, yeah, I knew a lot about NASCAR, even though I didn't particularly like it. I knew a lot. It was about in the zeitgeist, and, right? But the yeah, first time I saw Absolutely. the first time I saw a Ford Indy engine with the exhaust coming up through the center <laughs> middle of the engine where the intake normally is, yes. I was like, "What the fuck is that?" Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 It fell out of like our consciousness. I hope it comes back. Hard. Me too. Well, that wraps up uh, our Indy, Indianapolis Motor Speedway chat, Indy Cart split, the whole shebang. We did a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. We yeah. covered a lot in two episodes, and I'm very proud of us. Uh, good job, team. To my proud of y'all. Keep it pinned. Uh, kudos, kudos to John for heading that out. Uh, also, for John, uh, you have. Uh, what I wish I was driving this week. So, uh, kick it off. All right, ladies and gentlemen, what I wish I was driving, it is our automotive version of 20 questions. This week, I am thinking of a car. Ryan and Lenny have 20 questions, yes or no questions, to figure out what car I'm thinking of. You can only guess the actual car once. If they guess car and it's wrong, they lose. Oh, no. And with that, this car is not generational. And my okay. hint is you guys are going to hate this. God, oh, that is a <laughs> shitty hint. You're right. With that, let the questioning begin. I, I bet you 20 bucks is an Opal, Lenny. I bet you it's not. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, John, is this naturally aspirated? In a yes. America? American. Yes. V8? V8. Yes. Rear wheel drive? Rear wheel drive. Yes. 
Let's see, we're not. All right. So we've named every American sports car to ever exist. <laughs> yeah, but he's gonna he's gonna do some cheeky shit. But like at least we're at least we've dialed it down. You know. All right, we're cool. We're not guessing Japan and other out there stuff. Coop. This is a coop, John. Coupe. Coupe. Yes. Uh, was this car manufactured pre nineteen eighty? Pre nineteen eighty, yes. Mm. So we're going to the OG sports car sort of stuff, or he's doing something real cheeky. V eight N A rural drive coupe. This is the guy that likes like Pontiac Firebirds and all sorts of goofy American crap. Whoa, easy. <laughs> he just said the WS6 was cool. Okay. I don't know what I'm talking about. You just, you like weird, whack cars. Was this featured in a movie? Ooh. In a movie. Yes. Oh, was it that one with Nick Cage, you think? Is that the one? Lenny? What movie are you thinking it is, Lenny? Uh, was this particular movie filmed in San Francisco? Movie in San Francisco. Yes. What? Okay. Uh, Lenny, fill me in here real quick and the audience. No, I'm what? not going to. Okay, fine. <laughs> Gee, I see what it is. Lenny uh, does not care about the audience. Lenny doesn't care about the audience. I don't, I don't care about the audience. Lenny's basically a honey badger. Yeah, he really is. He's the honey badger. I'd be filling in the audience, helping him follow along. And Lenny's like, nah, dog. <laughs> nah, I like to keep him in suspense. All right, fine. Let him, let you're, a big, you're a big horror movie Hang fan, on my every you? word. Are you a horror, horror movie guy? I am. Ah, that, that makes I sense. I love it. I hate horror movies. Yeah. I actually don't know yet, so I don't know. I, There's I a love... lot of a lot of movies yeah. uh, filmed in San Francisco with... You know, an American V8 naturally aspirated rear wheel drive coupe. Is that this was like, is like, is like built prior to 1980? Well, yeah. It's okay. I'm going to ask a movie question here. Does this, does this movie have um, a time in its title, John? Does this movie have time in the title? Yes. <laughs> Sweet. Time. Yes. All right. No, well. I think John actually gave me a wrong answer then. Oh, you don't think it's the one with uh, the movie I'm thinking about? Yeah, I mean, if Gone on 60 Seconds was uh, based in L.A. Was it? It was. But is that the only movie with time in its name that has cars in it? Oh, probably not. I don't know. John's getting cheeky. You you never know. Should we clarify if it's Gone on 60 Seconds then? John, was there any dialogue in this movie that this car was um, filmed in, filmed with, in, around? What? Wait, <laughs> what type was of there dialogue? Like, did anyone talk? That was that worse than saying? a multi-choice question by John, dude. What? The- <laughs> was there any dialogue in this movie that the car was featured in? Yes. What? I am so confused. I had thought. Now. I have thought that maybe that is ten. We're on eleven. I had thought that maybe it was Bullet, the movie Bullet. Okay. Um, little known fact: the movie Bullet doesn't have any dialogue. It's it's zero dialogue. It's all action. I didn't realize. Steve McQueen, nineteen sixty-seven, 
uh, you know, forest green bullet Mustang. Oh, okay. Filmed in San Francisco. Gotcha. Hence all all of that line of questioning. Yeah, you're but right, damn. though. It can't be gone in 60 seconds, though, because that was shot throughout uh, L.A. and Long Beach. Right. And not the Bay Area. So what other movie has time in its name? That has this car. It's a V8. I don't even know. Should we just guess? Like, should we get narrowed it's down? It's interesting companies? that that you that you said that time in its name, and he said yes. And I it's know, not, and it's not gone to sixty seconds. So it's clearly not eligible. Vanishing point is not a a point. It's not time. Unless you're like talking whack maths or something. <laughs> Uh, what other California-based movies, uh, car, California car-based movies are there? I don't know. You're the California. Dang. Uh, well, maybe we should uh, talk about the car specifically instead yeah. of just film. What about uh, brand? Mm. Should we go for brand? Oh, is wait. It could be a uh, if if this this Fast Five or 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 uh, the Fast and the Furious or one of those have a cheeky like. Also, L.A. Now, dude, so what band? The fourth, the fourth Fast and Furious movie was in L.A. You guys should just focus on the car. Uh, I probably should. Way yeah, more fun going down, down this, this car route. Was it Chitty Chitty Bang? John. Bang? <laughs> <laughs> um. John, did this car also see any GT racing? GT racing, yes. Um, GT, yes. Okay. Is, uh, Was this... the configuration of this engine in the front of the car? Front engine. Yes. Why would... That's all American. What? How many mid or... Re... Um... Yeah, I just wanted to, you know, make the distinction and burn okay. a I got, I got two off the top of my head that would fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You cheeky. You cheeky. <laughs> Is this a Ford... Is this a Ford? Yes. Of course it is. God. Ugh. Did Shelby have something to do with this car? Shelby have something to do with this car? Yes. Am I helping you yet, Lenny? Uh, is the name of the model of this car also synonymous with a woman of the night? <laughs> nice. Of the night, yes. Hmm. All right. Uh, does the rest of the trim or the model name of this car, uh, is it also like synonymous with a premier racing, a premier Porsche like racing brand? Premier Porsche racing brand. Yes. Oh, 16 and on number 17. Uh, Brian, I think this is a Ford Escort RS 200. Oh, why the 200? No, I don't know. I could be wrong with the 200. Well, not not sure why the 200, but, if, but they are the if, Ford Escort RS. If you think it's a Ford Escort, we don't need generation or trim. Right? He said non-generational. He didn't say anything about trim. Uh, you're, you're right. So, 
So if we just but it is cheeky and and John's gonna hate me. Well, I mean, he didn't specify if he wanted us to do generational or trim, he would have said something of that, right? You're right. So like, um, and what did Shelby have to do with the escort? That that's where I'm like, I'm not sure. You're not sure. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't. Uh, oh, oh, no, jeez, come on, Lenny. What did um, what did Shelby have to do with an escort? That please, would, that would uh, be the thing. John, does yes. this does this escort have a hatch? Wait, you're you're asking if it's an escort in the name? I'm so. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll rephrase that. Does this car have a hatch? Hatch. Yes. So it's a uh, hatch. Right. Does it have a funky looking wing? Funky wing. Yes. <laughs> okay, you got it. What, what question are we on? I don't want to overblow. That's one, question over guess. one question and a guess. Ooh. It's eighteen. Is what that was. No, no, that was nineteen, John. This is technically that was eighteen. If this was no, this is not. This is eighteen. Or this is nineteen. This is nineteen. Funky ha Funky Wing was eighteen. Was a uh, hatch. It's funky Wing. No, nineteen. Hatch was seven. Okay. Mm. I'm gonna shoot. I'm gonna shoot the freaking J. I don't care. To shoot the J. Hey, John, is this a Ford Escort RS Cosworth? Ford Escort RS. Cosworth. So look, this is why you guys are gonna hate me. Oh no! Why you mother? Oh no! Get out! I set out to determine what the default car for the Zero Lift podcast was. Okay. So every question okay. you guys asked, I answered yes. Oh my God! You did, didn't you? To see you motherfucker, what you, you guys motherfucker. arrived at. <laughs> now, dude, oh, you cheeky <laughs> bastard! You... I would like to say that the Ford Escort RS Cosworth was not a V8. By the way, not an A. By the way, Lenny. But... By the way, Lenny. Thank you for making the default car for zero left a hatchback. That fucking is the greatest debut of my entire life. I'm out. <laughs> so, so, I have yeah, I have that's... mixed feelings about this because the RS Cosworth did not have a V8 and it was not naturally aspirated. However, nor nor was it produced uh, before 1980. No. You said, yeah, yeah. Nor was it produced. I like this car. I love this car. I am absolutely. This is a rally car hot hatch that is assembled in Germany. It is Ford Europe. I fucking love this car. This is the perfect car. What a funky. The wing on this thing is absolutely insane on the hatchback. Dude, this car is fucking ridiculous. Holy shit. The Escort RS Cosworth, which was not a car I picked, I just said yes to everything you guys said. Wow. The Escort RS Cosworth is one of my favorite cars. That car is amazing. I love it. Weird. It's, it's so good. Fast. No. Yes. The hatchback lives, boys. 
<laughs> you guys were like, my entire him. line of questioning was because John is a weirdo and he likes weird cars. Oh, we know and the that. Cosworth RS Cosworth. John the, the just Ford played Escort RS John Cosworth. Just played, I exactly went to school it. for philosophy in college and then joined the Navy to fly <laughs> helicopters on us. That's what this dad, you fucking so, dick. You know what? Meta- I got. I gotta say, you sold me. You sold me on my woman of the night question. <laughs> like you took that like a champ. Yeah, dude. Damn it, dude. That was well played, sir. Well Damn played, it. sir. Yeah. Okay. So apparently, the meta car that all other cars stem from in our psyche is the Ford Escort. <laughs> I would one hundred percent, dude. If you look at this car, though, it has it has it actually has like some design language of the GTR. Uh, it it has design language of my Honda any hatchback that I love. It's fucking great. Well done, John. It is well done. It's actually one of my it's actually one of my favorite cars of all time. Well done, sir. Not. Well done. <laughs> well done. Well. That has been another episode of Zero Lift, folks. Thanks for joining us. Uh, John absolutely blew it out of the water with that. Uh, if you like what you're listening to, uh, hit us up on our Instagram or our Twitter. It's Zero Lift Podcast. Or uh, if you would like to chat with us and join our community, we have our Discord server open. They are both in the links uh, of the description of the podcast episode here and also uh the bio of our twitter and instagram so if you'd like come join us in our pit lane chat us up um come join us come come join us i'm challenging you to come join us call us out on ideas yeah tell us how ridiculous we have uh, a bunch of mechanics uh in our in our pit lane chat uh we were we were just talking about intake manifolds and oil catch cans yesterday and so it's fun you'll learn a thing or two so yeah it's very possible or bs about f1 Uh, also don't forget Uh, i'm gonna uh, use what don't forget to like or subscribe uh basically because then you'll get notifications uh we drop episodes every wednesday morning so hopefully you listen to this on your ride to work uh if you're stuck in la traffic san francisco traffic or driving across the plains who knows wherever this podcast finds you i hope i find you well Thank you, Ryan. You're welcome. You know what? I'm going to use his outro this week just fucking because. <laughs> Keep it pinned, folks. Keep it pinned. <laughs> we'll see you next time. <laughs>